get ready to get Rumble. ready to romance your TBR or romance your TBR. That makes a little bit more sense for us. I then Rumble. You uh-huh. want to start with a bonkers book segment? Yes, you told me that you have. I one have in a bonkers book. I do. I actually have many because I've been reading a lot, but I'll just do one um, because I am a seasonal reader. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm very much a seasonal reader. That I will not. I don't do TBRs because I can't stick to them. But I do like yeah. to have like large lists, large long lists of books that are appropriate for a particular season or theme to choose from within a particular month. And I'm a big Halloween girly, which mm. means I have a giant list of paranormal, both contemporary but especially paranormal historical romances that I am excited about for the month of October. And so I just finished a book called A Wolf in Duke's Clothing. The premise of this book, it's a wolf shifter Regency, I believe, romance. And, like, there's a lot of lore going on, and the thing is, I don't care. Same. Um, like, I, I need it to make that. sense for the, like, the book. Like, I need to, yes. like, the plot to make sense, but I yeah. don't actually care about the lore, and there's a lot of lore. But basically, he's a duke, he's a wolf shifter, everyone on his estate, like, they're all different animal shifters, and they're all his pack. Um, Shit. Wow. And so he and his beta are back in he's been like traveling the world for the past five years looking for his basically his faded mate um there's like a, a fancy does. latin word for it that like i think it translates to like true love but he's looking for his mate um and basically you come to find out that there's like this curse on his family because his parents lied to everyone and told everyone that they were like mates but in reality they weren't and then they were really Mm. awful to their kids and so then like the goddess cursed them so now Mm. no one in the pack that isn't already mated can mate and no one can have kids until the alpha mates with his like true love faded mate and he's been gone traveling the world for the past like five years looking for her and for some reason and this kind of lost me but again i wasn't paying attention to the lore for some reason he's figured out that she is she must be an aristocratic lady of the ton i don't know why that's i don't remember how he figured that out but he's back and he's looking for her and he's at this ball and he scents her and he's like oh that's her and he goes and finds her she's a wallflower um and he like drags her out and makes her dance with him a couple of times and then drags her off to the balcony which is very scandalous and then he like grabs her and jumps over the balcony wall and disappears into the night with her hang on tight spider monkey (laughs) (laughs) and he basically like sticks her in his carriage and she's like Mm -hmm. what are we doing and it's like him and his beta and omega um and he like Loki kind of kidnaps her and takes her off to his estate and she's like what are we doing and he's like well you're ruined so we have to get married now and she's like I don't want to get married meanwhile Felicity the heroine she's got this whole trash she's like a really low-ranking aristocratic lady Mm -hmm. she's an orphan her horrible uncle and horrible cousins uh, are like meddling in her affairs and supposedly according to her very evil uncle she's been told that her father left her a bunch of like money and whatnot um, but only if she doesn't get married until, oh. like, she has to turn 25 and be unmarried, I guess. Mm. Um, she's also – she's doing this, like, horse breeding thing. Mm. Her mom had this herd of mares. She's doing horse breeding. She wants to keep doing that. Um, but it turns out, of course, her uncle is lying to her. And she actually does need to get married. Or, like, she doesn't have – it doesn't matter. Whatever. The will is missing. Her dad's will is missing. She can't get in touch with the lawyers. Ooh, 
something is going on. Everything is mysterious. The Duke is like, um, which by the way, they haven't told her that they're all shifters. Yeah, I was gonna say, he's like, just does like, she? No, because you know, he's there just are like, some... well, you've been ruined. <laughs> um, so we have to get married, and also he's trying to like court her, but also he's like part wolf, and his wolf really just wants to like mate with her. <laughs> There's a lot going on. I wolf you. There's there's a lot happening. He, by the way, his name is Alfred. He's the alpha. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's all like that, though. I just, the beta is named Bates. No. And the Omega is named Omara. No. Um, there is okay. a little maid who's very cute. Her name is, like, Mary Mossett or something. Okay, and it's well, very obvious nice. that she's a mouse shifter. Oh, um, that does kind of sound like a mouse. Yeah. There's a lot. There's, everybody is huh. an animal. She doesn't know, but she's, like, kind of unique and quirky and really loves animals and so, so it works <laughs> oh, look God. it actually could have been way more bonkers i wish it had gone a little bit crazier there there was um was it go hex yourself i think and um there was this like cat shifter or like this like wizard warlock thing turned into a cat got stuck as a cat and then he was just like the cat was like always spying on the heroine <laughs> and the um <laughs> Adam Driver-esque hero because it's basically the life hypothesis with magic. Um, and like if you look, his face is on the cover. Like it's him. Yeah. And he would like get very angry at this cat. And she was like, What? He's a cute little cat. Like he's just being like a cat. And he's like, get the fuck out. Because like he- she'd be showering and the cat's like, hey. Oh my god. <laughs> and like she'd be like sleeping in her bed. And the guy's just like, get out. Like, stop. <laughs> And so I can just imagine, like, those situations if they're just a bunch of animals. And she's like, I love animals. Let's cuddle. She does love animals. Well, there's, like, she, like, runs into him in his wolf form, not realizing that he's a wolf. But she is not like other girls understand. She loves animals. Mm -hmm. And so she, instead of, like, running the other direction from this, I think she said he, like, comes up to her shoulder. Like, this is a massive black So, like, like Twilight. This is a giant animal. Um, But she just, like senses that he's not that he doesn't mean her harm oh yeah and so she just starts talking to him she calls him your grace because she thinks he's like the most majestic and then names him alfie and i'm like girl and why are you whatever so she like tells all of her problems to (laughs) this wolf not realizing that the wolf is this guy that she's like magmatically attracted to but also doesn't like because he's kidnapped her but she's not even that upset about it if i'm being honest look it's a weird book I mean, it's a bonkers same. book did i have a good time yes can i say it's like super well written i don't know about that <laughs> but it gave me what i wanted it was a mm-hmm. wolf shifter historical romance my main note is that i wish it had gone more crazy yeah. i wish it had been more bonkers mm-hmm. but getting to our actual uh, like podcast episode bo- bonkers book mm-hmm. of this episode it is an Stay. author feature an author feature yeah. with one of uh, my favorite authors i same one of your favorite as oh well. oh yes yes um india holton who is also just like a delightful human being mm-hmm. anyway um <laughs> yes mm-hmm. the wisteria society of lady scoundrels and the league of gentlewomen witches and soon to be the tea C- the secret service of yes tea and, tea and treason that's such a cool title it's a cool title. They're all just, like, really long, so I always yeah. forget. It's, like, the Immortals After Dark books, and I'm always like, I don't know. The, the, mm-hmm. the third one. Um, the one that the I'm third. very excited about that's coming out. 
I am actually obsessed with these books. So I've read mm-hmm. each of them twice. I did not do the audiobook on either, which is now very oh, rare for me because so I do um, so much on audio. But I did. I Obviously, I, the- I bought the Kobo one as soon as this book launched because I was and am obsessed when I read the arc um, of the second one. So the League of Gentle Women Witches. And so, like, my Kobo was raring to go that next day. Because, like, if you don't know, Kobo is my key to su- success because... It's cheaper than Audible. Every month you get charged 10 bucks, I think. And then you just get like a credit. So I have like credit saved out for a rainy day. Um, that's where I use like my my well-loved books. Um, like Angelica Frankenstein, I bought there. Always Be My Duchess, bought there. Because I have no time to wait in long library holds. So yeah, very good audiobooks. Amazing. Well, I did not do audio for either of mm-hmm. these. Um, I did, however... I remember downloading the, like, NetGalley widget of the first one, reading – I think I got through half of it before I immediately ordered the physical copy online mm-hmm. and was like, I need this book immediately in my hands right now. Um, but I think I finished it on my Kindle. And then the second one I did, obviously, through NetGalley yep. um, as soon as they approved my request, which admittedly took longer than I wanted it to. I was oh, like yeah. – I was – chopping at the bit waiting for them to approve my request and then when they Mm -hmm. did i think i read it in like a day um and then when gentlewoman witches was coming out in when was that march i think my lovely friend megan um meg mazafaro and i did um a reread of the Mm. first book and for us a reread of the second book although we obviously waited until like it was Mm -hmm. out and everyone could do a read along with us and then did like live tiktok streams mm-hmm. together to discuss each of the books and so that time i tabbed and i annotated so each smart of those books. i wish like i literally bought tabs and i had this book setting like sitting out for that purpose to just like go through my kindle and like see mm-hmm. what i had all highlighted there mm-hmm. and it has never happened thus far so, well, so i don't normally i'm not a big tabber if i'm yeah, doing an ebook i will highlight but in mm-hmm. i if it's a book that i know i will love i used to do more like annotations not like tabs but just like writing in the book I would annotate sometimes typically I only tab and annotate if it's a reread of a book that I really love and then I'm like like, okay like I did that with all of my Emily Henry books when I reread them I just I always go to the audiobooks for a reread so Mm -hmm. I and then I don't really have time to like listen and tab at the same time which I could I could make time I just say I'm going to and I never do um but yeah, I was like looking through my ebook notes for the book too, and I was like, "Oh, Alex, oh no, it's like it's like tired. ones that I know I want to mm-hmm. have notes on though." And these ones, mm-hmm. these I think are books that I'm not a big rereader because I always get stressed out about all of the unread books that I have. Mm-hmm. So for me to reread a book, it has to be like, oh, I reread like a all the really time. good book. I just don't have the like. I will get stressed because I'm like I have all of these other books piling up that I need to get yeah. read, and so for me to reread one, it has to be one that like. If I'm, I really love it and I'm going to commit time to it. Yeah. If I'm like – I mean, since I'm a mood reader, like, if nothing is speaking to me, I will go back and, like, like that I have from Libby or something, I'll go back and just reread one. Or, you know, if I'm in a huge slump, like, if I'm reading, like, a bunch of, like, three-star books, I'll go back to one that I know um, will give me what I want. And, yeah, I, I reread criminally. It's actually I'm probably bad, but it's fine. Pushing forward. But that being said, even though I don't reread a ton, I think – these are 
you like have to reread this you will miss a lot mm-hmm. yeah because there is so much going on mm-hmm. and because the plot is so like the world build or the world is so different and you get dropped into it which is my favorite thing in fantasy books too i don't want a bunch of exposition no i don't want you to explain everything to me i want you to drop me into the world and it's going to be chaotic for a while and i'm not going to understand what's going on and then i will either sink or swim Mm -hmm. i will figure it out and i think that the opening scene of wisteria society well even from the like table of characters Already you're getting, <laughs> I, like, what is this book? I adored the chapter headers. The chapter headers are phenomenal. One of my very first, like, more viral TikToks was my, like, recommendation video for the Wisteria Society, and mm-hmm. it's my favorite chapter titles. Yeah. They're so fun. They're so fun. Um, The Table of Significant Characters is one of my favorite, just, like, things I've ever seen. It's yeah. so, like, Oscar Wilde, like... There's something about it where I was like, yeah, and they're funny. The, this book is hilarious. When I was listening, I was listening earlier today and yesterday um, to the second audiobook, and just, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the narrator's performance because, like I said, she is amazing. Um, but there's just like moments where they're like, we're gonna like crash into this giant body of water, and then just like her intonation when she says splash, because like they obviously splashed and like fell in. It's just they're so fun and i want that sense of humor like i want to embody that every day because it's chaotic but it's the best kind it is chaotic so you get like the table of significant characters which is already kind of unhinged um and quite hilarious like you get teddy luke's a fencing master with provocative hips um (laughs) or like student I can't even say that. Pseudonymous hotel guest. Pseud- oh God, student- that's a word. Pseudonymous. I think that's how you say that. But the point, like, they're all these, like, kind of chaotic, like, very funny, charming descriptions. And then you get chapter one with all of the different, um, like, titles. An unexpected caller, the plight of the awk, semantics. And you're like, what is this? What is going on? Because already, what are we doing? And then you get dropped into what you think is like kind of a funny like historical like very quintessential victorian stuffy scene and then all of a sudden there is a pirate at the door (laughs) talking about the plight of ox and cecilia's like those are extinct and then she goes back and she's like there's a pirate at the door ned is immediately in love with her it's just like so much (laughs) happens all at once he like throws a bomb in through the window and you're like what and before you know going it, going on, houses are flying, houses and I was are like, flying. "Here we are." Magic is being done, it. and like I understand when people are like, "Oh, I tried to read that book, but like I, yeah. I couldn't get into it." Like I totally understand mm-hmm. why this book doesn't work for everyone, especially initially. I think mm-hmm. it's something that like if you like getting dropped into that, and you're like, "This is chaos. Where are we going with it?" Yeah, it I works. I found book two a lot easier, obviously, because I already knew what I was getting and like I knew the yes. world. But book two was so much easier to just like be in from the start. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I loved this. I mean, the first one was like the Princess Bride to me. It just has that like humor mm-hmm. of you don't really need to know what's happening because it's happening. Um, but the second one really, that's, that's my favorite of the series just cause I love the romance and it's a little bit more romancy, I think, um, than I'm the so first scared. one. Um, but the first one itself, like, it's just so fun and well, I think it's- yeah, I wouldn't have 
like you get the reason why the houses are like flying but like Mm -hmm. like I said like I don't like world building I don't like fantasy very much because I don't have the time I don't like clothing descriptions like like I said like I can't picture what they're wearing like I don't know like stop telling me colors and fabrics and stuff like I don't know um and so I just really had a good time having no clue and then there's like Bronte (laughs) like the villain thinks he's like related to Emily Bronte (laughs) No, well, yes, but the to bra uh, Bran the uh, the Brom Branwell Branwell Bronte Branwell the brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. So I think that these are books that you have to reread because at least with the Wisteria yeah. Society, I mean, I think that it's easier to get into the League of Gentlewomen, which is not because necessarily like the world building is any less mm-hmm. daunting, but just because we've already read. Yep. A whole book set in this universe so now we already know what's going on we're just catching up on what's happening with the witches rather than like getting dropped into something not understanding what's going on so i think if mm-hmm. i had started with the league of gentlewomen witches maybe my response to it would be different unclear but i do think because the first read of these books i spent the whole time trying to figure out what was going on and following the plot and then just like figuring out the initial romance the second time i read it I already understood the world, so yeah. I, I wasn't confused and trying to figure that out. Um, I already understood where the romance was going, and so I caught approximately, and I don't, I don't want to be dramatic here, but I, I would say probably around four thousand more little jokes and references than I yeah. did the first time, because every, like practically every sentence is like a wordplay or some kind of joke. Mm-hmm. Or, like, an allusion to some literary thing. That it's happened when I, when I listened to the audiobook. Because, um, like, obviously I read it and then waited until the audiobook came out. And there's just so much. And I definitely haven't even picked it all up. So, like, oh, I could, yeah. like, physically go back and reread this and have a completely different experience, which I think is the best part of rereading. Sure. Like, whenever I reread something, I will always pick up more stuff. Yes. Like I said, I am very slow on the uptake. Like, I am not the you know brightest bulb of the bunch so um I am always excited and I also have a terrible memory so I will forget what happens <laughs> and be so surprised when I reread <laughs> I mean well, I these are know, you know yes I just know about myself like if I want to do any kind of critical analysis and this is a mm. book that I think lends itself to critical analysis particularly with all of the literary illusions um, if I want to do that at all, it's going to have to be on a reread because my yeah. critical thinking brain is not on on the first time I read a romance. Like I just I need to like absorb the plot and like the actual romance itself. And then when I go back, I can unpack it. But like mm-hmm. there are just so many like running bits that I caught on to that I didn't the first time I um, there's this running bit. I think it's one of my favorites where she refers to the wits like her wits. As little characters, where I, I just flipped to this one at random, but where it's like Cecilia's wits drag themselves up, shoving arms into jackets, slapping helmets on heads, coming more or less to attention. Um, and like the wits come back over and over again, where her wits will do things. Um, or just like little running bits like that yeah. that I didn't necessarily, like I thought they were funny the first time, but it wasn't until rereading that I started noticing all of them working together. Um, <laughs> I'm like looking through my review and I literally said, um, it's like the Princess Bride and Wuthering Heights from the writers of Shrek Three with a touch of Up. <laughs> like, yeah, what? like Shrek Three. Like, there's just something about Shrek that really feels like, especially like the second, like through, because like the first Shrek is its own thing, I think. Then they get really into like the fairy tale, but like the villain, 
was so much like Prince Charming, where like Prince Charming is just so dramatic and like <laughs> absurd, but also hilarious. And you also kind of want to root for him. Like that's how I, I felt with just like the drama of this man thinking he's related to the Brontes and making it his entire personality, which like I would too. Um, so it like Shrek three really stood out to me um there and you know that's maybe like just a me thing but i sure loved it i think that it i had like in my initial video recommendation Mm -hmm. i had like a similar like this is like the princess bride meets this um yeah but i remember saying like if this was all a movie like the princess bride meets monty python Mm -hmm. directed by wes anderson and then adapted into a book by oscar wilde that is the energy mm. of this book. It mm-hmm. felt very Wes Anderson to me, like very colorful. Um, the humor reminded me of it. I don't know. I'm not a Wes Anderson expert. It just I really sure didn't know who brain. he was. So Okay. Well, if you watch some I. Wes Anderson movies, you will know what I am talking oh, about. Oh, no. I know like the Grand Budapest. Like I can definitely feel it. I think the soundtrack also, like, the kind of quintessential Wes Anderson soundtrack. I have a bunch of his songs or, like, songs from his movies on my playlist for these books because I can just listen to them in the background while I'm reading. And it makes sense Mm -hmm. in my brain. Like, there's a very specific style to these books. And there is literally no, like, other comparable books that I can think of that I'm like, oh, these have a similar vibe. The only one that I have found is completely different but also just like fucked me up in the same way was the undertaking of heart and mercy um like it's so unique and odd and weird that you know they're really not similar really at all but just the way it made me feel like when i was reading it i was just like i have no clue what's happening but i don't want to know like because you're just also thrown in that one and you got you get dropped into this weird fantasy world Mm -hmm. and And so like you know if you like that book or like the Wistier Society or like the League of Gentlemen Women Witches, maybe read that one. Um, because I can see why people for both books would be like, this is just not for me, which mm-hmm. totally valid. Um, they are wrong, but they are valid and entitled to their I, opinions, even if their opinions are wrong. No, I do understand like why you would be put off trying yeah. to start. And also like the sense of humor. Like I feel like this yeah. really, you know, feels like my type of humor. And so like I have a really good time. Um but I know some people, like, they're just not what they like. So I, I completely get it. And, like, I wouldn't want you to, like, read it. Like, try to force yourself if you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe try the second. Like, if you didn't, if you were, like, okay with the first one, not, like, your favorite thing, I would try the second one just to, like – it. Like, if you have any curiosity. I mean, he's an Irish tattooed pirate who's just absolutely obsessed with her. Like, I, and she – oh, my God. Like, it's just so good. It's so good. It's just so – they push two beds together because there are two beds, not one, and they're offended. <laughs> it's just – If I uh, had a nickel for every historical romance with a DIY one-bed trope, I'd have one two nickel. nickels. You'd have two nickels. What's I would the have other two one? nickels. The Duke who didn't. Oh, my God. You're right. The Duke who didn't – well, technically, the Duke who didn't isn't that there's two beds. It's that they get to the inn, and she has <laughs> yeah. decided in this moment to, like, take her yeah. life into her own hands. Yeah. And she's like, if we go in and there's only one room available, that'll be the sign I need to, like, sleep with this guy that she's been in love with. And then they get there, and the, the inn – what's like, his no, name? Like, so the guy many. is like, yeah, we have a lot of available rooms. And she, like, slaps money down on the desk and is like, you only have one room available. And that man is yeah. so confused. But he's finally like, okay, I guess. 
which I, I count as DIY that. one bed. And oh, then for sure. Charlotte and Alex also seeing the two beds, and they just mm-hmm. go, no. So they push them together, and they're like, here's one bed. Which also creates for a really lovely, like, chaotic uh-huh. um, moment where she's like, and then the world fell out from under them, but it literally, <laughs> literally. didn't the beds had come apart. Because <laughs> um, they were going at it. Ugh, I listened to that so scene good. twice this morning. Um, what I do, what I like to do is end an audiobook right after a sex scene. Like, if I have to go to bed or if I have to, like, go to work or, like, do something, I'll get to that point, end it, even if, like, I have a little bit of time left. Because then when I, like, start the audiobook up again, I'll just hit that good old rewind button and listen to it over again. So I listened to it twice today, and I had a very good time both times. I just always, like, I tend to pause in those moments because Mm. usually they precede some kind of, like, breakup or something going wrong. Yeah. This may be because I read a bunch of Sarah McLean back to back and her mm-hmm. like if they sleep together, that's a sign. He's probably gonna leave. Something's gonna yeah. happen immediately and after. That, so that I always like me... get to that point because they're emotionally happy yeah. and then I can like pause and come back to the break this... because I'm not ready for it. And I don't want to pause in the middle of it. This first one for them happened around like fifty percent. So there there was enough time. But I hate when that like I know like sometimes that happens and like it makes me sad like when you know they're like all cuddly and then you know something bad's gonna happen you see Um, it coming yeah and but that definitely happens a lot i just realized we never gave like i guess if you're listening to this you've already read these books but we never talked about like the premise like what these books are i don't even know how you i describing these books i hate it Uh because they're fantasy historical romances about lady pirates who fly houses um and follow very strict Victorian uh-huh. social so the fir- rules. The first one was two pirates together. Sure. Um, and he was he was technically like the enemy a little bit because he was working with the <laughs> enemy. He was working with everyone else though. But he was also like trying to seduce the enemy, but he was like not. It was just <laughs> he <laughs> was hired by her like I think she's her godmother. She is, yeah. To assassinate. Um, I'm blanking. I don't remember, but she's amazing. Lady Armitage. Mm-hmm. Armitage, um, yes. That's the one. Who is, like, very close with Cecilia's aunt who raised her. Mm-hmm. But by close by, it means they've been, like, trying to kill each other for decades. With love, yeah. Like, um, they, so she hires yeah. him as an assassin. Mm-hmm. Well, also, she's Ned also has really many names. Sure. She's very into him because it's Ned. Um, yeah. And everyone's attracted to Ned in all of his mm-hmm. different disguises. Anyway, <laughs> he's hired to assassinate her, but he's also... In disguise, working for other people, and also working for the queen, but he's also working for himself. Mm-hmm. But he's also actually, <laughs> like, trying to save Cecilia because he loved her mother. Not in, like, a in-love-with way, but, like, yeah, he had, her mother he was had... really kind to him. Uh-huh, and then he, like, yes. I don't know if I want to give it away. Like, if you've read it, like, if you, like, pause, skip, whatever. There's, like, he's got, like, a locket or something, and, like, so he, like, yeah. Knows what the mother look like, and then Cecilia looks. Which everyone has, by the way. Everyone has a picture of Cecilia's mother. Mm. It's like a running thing. And Cecilia's yeah. like, why do all, like, everyone is obsessed with <laughs> Cecilia's mother. I wish I could find. Yeah, I um, I wanted to read this one more so than the second one, because I remember less of the first one. Um, but the audiobook was, like, holds galore at, like, every library that it was available at. Well, I should have um, just dug out my notes. From well, the I have I have the PRH audio, so like I can request it from them, which I'm going to do. But I didn't have time because, of course, I wait till the day before we record um, to do this. 
Um, but yeah, I... But I um, Ned has this really lovely observation about, like, Cecilia being the key or something. Mm. Like, Cecilia is the center of everything. Even though everyone seems to be focusing on her mother. He's like, Cecilia is the center of this. Like, she unlocks Aww. it. Um, there's a lot to unpack with, like, there. Ned's relationship with her mother. Really, <sighs> everyone's relationship with her mother versus how Cecilia feels about herself and her relationship well, with then, her mother. Because then her father is the villain. Yes. The one who thinks that he is related to Bromwell Bronte. Um, and so... And then he did, did he like kill her mother? Or like, there's a lot of like emotions there in the sense that he's the villain, but he's also just like over the top Prince Charming esque um, and absurd. And then there's also the Lady Armitage, which is she working with the father or are they like not in cahoots? I really don't know. Um, hopefully, you've read these because this will make no sense to you. <laughs> yeah, I, you haven't read I'm these so books. sorry. I mean, if you haven't, like, this is a great time to read them. It's like witchy season. And they are great for laughs. They're also, yeah, they're just so, so funny. And you mm -hmm. will not get all of the jokes. No. Not even the second time through. Um, no. I also caught Star Wars references on the second yeah. time through that I was so, I was like, how did I miss that the first time? I found my notes from the last time I did a read along, which is why I'm like, ah. Now, these are super out of context, so I'm like, what notes was I talking about? I have one note that's just Patrick, Patricia, and Patricide, and I'm like, <laughs> well, because her, the father's name is Patrick, right? Yeah, it's like Patrick Morvath. Captain Morvath is just what it's called. So technically, Ned is also working for the Captain Morvath, which is her father, so then that's why he knows about her mother, but then he's also with Lady Armitage, and she thinks that he's going to hook up with her. And so she's just, like, raring to go, dusting off the cobwebs, and he is rather scared of that. Um, I want to do a deep dive on, like, each and every one of these characters, um, because, like, Ned in particular is so, so fascinating to me, the way that he has, like, all of his different names mm -hmm. that are all some version of Edward Light or Lightborn. Yeah. Like, Ned Lightborn, Eduardo DeLuca. He's got a lot going for him. Yeah, and then he's also – he has a different name when he's, like, working for the queen. Mm -hmm. But it's also, like, Edward, something about light. Also, I don't know how you get Ned from Edward. Like, I get the Ed, but, like, where's the N come from? I'm going to be uh, honest. There's a lot of nicknames that are like that. I, it disturbs me. I mean, like, Dick Richard. Like, I get it. Um, I'd be more disturbed by that one, like, if I was a Richard. Um, you get but it? Ned. You don't get Ned? No, like I get like that. I'm not like I'm not gonna get it. Like I oh, get that. Okay. I accept I was it. Like, I I don't know where they came up with that one. Major Candent is his. Um, Major Candent. Yes. In Samara Parish's one, Edward is also called Ned by like his siblings, and I'm like, who are you talking about? I was like, oh yeah, it's Edward. I, I get like very Ned. confused. I would not want to scream Ned in Throws of Passion. Oh, right. <laughs> I this Ned. is this is actually true. This is kind of a tangent. Um. <laughs> And once again, I sure do hope by now no one related to me is please, listening to this. Please. But I have this rule, which my best friends from high school know about. I <laughs> and presumably some people who used to be friends with me in college also know about it. I have a rule where, okay, rule is a strong word. <laughs> Basically, when we would be like on dating apps or like mm -hmm. talking about potential guys, I was, it's not a rule, it's a test where I was like, I am not interested in swiping right or going out with a guy if i cannot moan their name with a straight face yeah and so we would like test 
name. I mean, okay, that's like actually not a deal breaker. It's not gonna it stop kind me. Of, but, but it's a it consideration. May, yeah. No, that happened to me. There was this guy in undergrad. I won't name drop him, but he had a name that I generally do not like because he is a villain character in an 80s John Hughes movie. And um, I despise that No, I want to know. You'll tell me later. I will tell you later. I thought I could handle it. And then as soon as I broke things off, it was like this breath of fresh air. Like the weight was lifted off my shoulders. My skin was clear. Like (laughs) I was so much happier. Rest in peace to that guy. Yeah, yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> he thought it was more than it was, and I was like, "No, thank you." I apparently have uh, commitment issues. <laughs> like once, <laughs> this is turning into a therapy session. It is because, like, once, like, I'll have a crush on someone for like so long, and then if I end up with them, immediately I'm like, I have a better imagination. Oh my god, than you are as a person. <laughs> so. I mean, relatable, low key. But yeah, I've gotten myself into some trouble. Um, but yeah, so I I do agree that there are name deal breakers. Um, like I think I could handle most, but there are some that. Eh. Well, I mean, speaking of commitment issues, I do want to <laughs> talk about the League of Gentlemen and Witches. But first, I do want to mention that. Well, number one, this is one of my Wisteria Society is one of my favorite relationship dynamics, mm-hmm. which is a smitten man. And a oh, very, yeah. like, cool presenting heroine mm-hmm. um, who is, of course, not as unaffected as she would have you believe. Um, mm-hmm. And she is also – you would think it would be him, the more chaotic of the two. It's not. And so their whole dynamic is him following her around, like, herding cats, <laughs> trying to prevent her from she's just a, causing like, – She's wreaking a, havoc wherever she a goes. basket of kittens. She is. Just... And it's an excellent dynamic. Um, and then I love seeing their bits in the second book. They're like it's the so highlight, fun. not the highlights, mm-hmm. but they have like their moments are little highlights every time they show up. <laughs> also, this is going to be perhaps a controversial take. This oh, has no. one of my favorite sex scenes in a romance novel. Really? Not because it's like really wild. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tame. Mm-hmm. There's only one. But I was blown away. I thought it was like the hottest shit I ever read. I remember like I had like the high, like a very high steam rating and I looked back and I was like, what? Was it's I not doing? very steamy. It is, no. however, I think some of the best character work that I've seen mm-hmm. done in a sex scene. I think it is so, so effective. Um, that, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the next book is during a sex scene. And he's like, you're so sensitive because he's like mm. and loving she, it. Yes. And then she like closes up because she thinks like she's been told her entire life like um, witches can't really have emotions. And she's and that she like, specifically is too yeah, soft. And, and they use sensitivity as a detriment. And so when he is like, you're so sensitive, she, he like recodes a word for her. And it's mm-hmm. so lovely because then he's like, you're so responsive. And she's like, oh, this is a compliment. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. And it is just the softest bit. I love it so much. And it was adorable. It is really good. Ned mm-hmm. and Cecilia have a moment where he, like, recognizes that all of this is already a lot for her based on the way that mm-hmm. she was brought up. And so he chooses to let, like, he only partially undresses her and leaves, I mm-hmm. think, like, her that, That's in the second one, too. It. Is it really? Yeah. Um, she – you may be thinking in the second one. No, I'm definitely um, thinking of the first so one. So then because it's that's in this one too. Um, she is like, I'm going to leave my chemise on because um, I just don't – I'm not even naked in the bathtub. And so he's – and she expects him to, you know, make a big fuss. And he's like, sure, whatever. Okay, and then, I see. The difference though is that mm-hmm. Ned intuits it. 
Gotcha. Where he just like he starts to undress he keeps her and it on. specifically leaves that because he's okay. like this is already very very vulnerable mm-hmm. for her and he doesn't want to push it any further mm-hmm. and so he intentionally leaves it. Um, there's also they've been doing this running bit throughout the book, which is one of my favorite things, which is um, making fun of Victorian's sense of propriety, even though they are <laughs> yeah. doing really wild things, but they're not allowed to talk about said wild mm-hmm. things. Um, Constantinople, like, running off in the graveyard, I think, is one of, like, the best examples of that, where, like, they don't talk about it, even though they're doing all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, se- the the bedroom scene has a moment <laughs> where she – what does she say? She says something about, like, I – like, that's a very rude word. <laughs> I think he says orgasm, and she's like, I don't know that word, but I suspect that you shouldn't say it yeah. to me. And he's like, okay, then I won't say it, but I intend to make you do it many times. And she's like, uh, well, that seems proper enough, like, fair enough, which yeah. is just, like, so, so Victorian, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, as long as you don't say it. Uh-huh. Oh, like, God, that's yeah. not a proper word to say to me, I'm a lady, but you can and do that's, it. That's, like, the thing about these that, like, I don't need, like, the explicit, like, you know, body action, like, you know, like, explicit mm-hmm. stuff, if... It, you know, I still get the emotional reaction from mm-hmm. the sex scene because I just read um, The Bell of Belgrave Square by Mimi Matthews and she, like her first book had like no talk of sex. It was vaguely referenced they had sex on their honeymoon, but like it was not a thing ever mentioned in the book. And then that was The Siren of Sussex. And then in this one, it had a little bit more because the entire second half of the plot revolved around their consummation because she wanted to get to know him before that happened. And so like, Already, I, I know that it's going to be fade to black, closed door. So I'm like, how is this going to work? And it, it didn't really for me. Um, but it was still, I think the author recognized that you had to have something happening because it was a pretty important plot point. Um, but it was still very vague. Like nothing really, you didn't know what was happening to her body. She was like, he's part of me. Good night. Like whatever. And so like, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I don't know if this is because I just need open door or like what was happening. But then like I read the League of Gentlewomen Witches and I was like, you know, I don't need that explicitness if the scene itself gives me like all the the character work that happens in sex scenes normally, like the emotional mm-hmm. like closeness and stuff. Because like I don't think you really need a sex scene all the time if the book itself develops the relationship to that mm-hmm. extent. Um, but for some reason, the Mimi Matthews one just didn't work for me. I don't wasn't like a big fan but mm-hmm. these i didn't need anything else like i, I wouldn't think sex need... scenes are just hard because mm-hmm. sometimes you do get really explicit ones and you're like yeah. okay that was great that was hot but like what'd you get didn't from do it? anything yeah there was what was it i can't remember the book but the sex scenes just didn't function like i wanted them to like there was never um i think it was do you take this man by denise williams and it was always like hard and fast and they never had one where they like talked to each other or like mm-hmm. had like a, a very intimate moment, like maybe closer to the beginning. But like I thought a sex scene was coming towards the end and then it didn't. And then we got a different one. But that was like just like very rough and like very quick. And I just learned nothing from that. Mm-hmm. Like it was hot, but I didn't get any emotional connection to the characters or to like the relationship. And so, yeah, like I love a good hot sex scene but if it doesn't like I don't need them all to do something like that but I want at least like one to like give me an insight into how they work like how does like cleanup work like how do they cuddle afterwards like their dynamics Mm -hmm. after too yeah and I think 
India Holden in both of the books. Mm. I mean, League of Gentlewomen so Witches is like a little bit steamier. Oh, it, it is. Oh, for sure. It's not like wild, but it's a mm. bit steamier and they have more scenes. But even then, mm-hmm. it's that same, like, it's not doing anything crazy, but it's doing really heavy emotional lifting. Yeah. Particularly because in, I mean, there's some of Cecilia's arc is about physicality, but a lot of Charlotte and, Charlotte and Alex's is about like physicality. And mm-hmm. in particular, like Charlotte embracing like magic and also freedom and a, a part mm-hmm. of that for her is also like the freedom of her physical body mm-hmm. and I really liked how it didn't go so far into the like like such like she was never really afraid to have sex like it was mm-hmm. you know, where there's a lot of times in you know the Regency Victorian whatever eras where they're just like they can't do it because it's not like proprietist mm-hmm. or whatever. And there, there was never really that. Like once she decided mm-hmm. she wanted to, she just she just did it. it. And obviously she was like nervous and like I mean Cecilia is the same way. Yeah. And so I she really just, like liked... decided mm-hmm. and was like, all right, we're doing this mm-hmm. now. And then was nervous, I thought it was really fun. She still went through with it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um I love Charlotte and Alex. This one feels oh. like a I'm gonna say smaller, like in scope romance yes, than the first sure. one to me. It feels it's, much more it's like, like a road trip and intimate. I mean, yes. I mean, the first one is a road trip too, in a but sense, it's but more plot. Heavy. Yes, like this one is, like I said, more romantic or like more of a rom not necessarily more romantic, but more romancy. They're together a lot, and I think because you don't have to have everything that happened in the first one to like get you grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one, I that's why this one is my favorite of the two so far. I can't wait to see the third one. Um, I mean, he's an Irish tattooed pirate. Like, I I can't get over that, really, well, at also, all. Oh, Alex O'Reilly and his and scarred his boots. And his scarred boots. His scarred boots that come <sighs> back again and again. Which, by the way, parallel her boot. I could write an essay on, like, Alex and Charlotte as character foils and the way that, like, <laughs> yeah. their trauma yeah mirrors one another and it comes down to their boots like quite literally his like tall scarred boots that she repeated repeatedly is like depending on a woman's education they can make her tremble either with fear or like excitement true and i was like relatable um and then charlotte's got various pairs of like very pretty Mm-hmm. fashionable boots that will then like shoot out poison darts or like yes. create a cloud of fumes or like do all these things there's a, also a line that lives in my head rent free where alex is like do it step on me with those vicious little boots yes. of yours and i was like step on me and then he was like she's gonna annoy me into an orgasm stop i was dead <laughs> dead on the ground uh, alex gets it he really does um he, uh, and then when he first realized he loved her I'm, of course, not going to be able to find it, but I just loved Like, he was like, okay, that's, that's what's happening. And I thought it was adorable. Um, Yeah, I that book, I was so in love. I'm going to try to find – I wish I could – I wonder if I'm going to be able to find the exact quote. But there – page 143. Why do I have that marked? Oh, that's – okay, I don't know. There was a line – or like an exchange that really I mean they open up about their trauma periodically. There's a moment in the jail specifically or like the dungeon where Alex like mm-hmm. goes into detail about what happened to him. But there is one exchange in particular and of course I marked it and now I'm not going to be able to find it where basically Relatable. he he's like someone should 
lock you up in a in your room and only let you out on Sundays. And Charlotte says, you just described my childhood. Someone should like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but something about like, like beat you, right? Like somebody yeah. should beat you. And he says, and you just described mine. Ah. Where like both yeah. of them really downplay. Yeah. Like their childhood trauma into a mm-hmm. like kind of a like jokey little exchange. But if you're paying attention, that like hits. Where you're like, both of those are like, whew, ow, are you guys okay? And they're not, but then they like, are able to open up mm-hmm. emotionally in each other. Ugh. And also in the wind, there's like a moment where she's standing on the roof with like the wind blowing in her hair. And I was like, bye. <laughs> this like makes me want to sob actually. Like clutching your cardigan. Um, like fully, yeah. I just want to burst into tears every time Charlotte is like, oh, magic is like beautiful and mm-hmm. freeing. And from me, the less beautiful and freeing side and just the hilarious side, when she describes um, the gentleman's fifth tumescent limb. Stop. I love that line. <laughs> or like small tumescent limb. It's like the gentleman's like, small never... tumescent limb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found like... the exchange. <laughs> she says there should be a law against men like you while he's kissing her. Uh-huh. That's critical. And he says, there is. Someone should lock you in a room and only let you out on Sundays. You just described my childhood. She thrust fingers into his hair, tilting his head back so she could kiss his throat. Who can I hire to have you beaten to a pulp? And you just described mine, he said. <sighs> and you're like, oh. And they're like making out, but also. <laughs> and then he goes, that's my witchy woman. Maybe not at that time. But he was really just like, that's my witchy woman. And I was like, every man should say that. Step on me with those vicious... I'm really just finding all the quotes, actually, now that Mm -hmm. I'm looking at my tab. Step on me with those vicious boots of yours. I just passed the one. It's ungentlemanly for you to tell me what to do. Actually, no, I take that back. It's entirely gentlemanly. You, sir, (laughs) represent all that is wrong with our patriarchal society. (laughs) And you, madam, are the most enticing creature I have ever known. I want to lick every inch of you. He did love to lick. the Mm -hmm. perfect character dynamic, dare I say. And um, so while the first book revolved a lot around the Brontes, this one was a lot about Jane Austen and Charlotte mm-hmm. loved Jane Austen, but like Jane Austen was a very um, almost limiting figure in her mind because she was mm-hmm. very proprietous and um, always it's like Jane Austen at this moment was in the back of her mind sipping something and like judging her. She's like, this is not what Jane Austen would do. Um, and then at one point, Charlotte had to declare after all, there was no enjoyment like lovemaking. <laughs> No, I thought that was hilarious. There are a ton of like Austin uh-huh. reworks of little, mm-hmm. and like, I liked how it, at the end she like brought it back together to where she still loved, you know, Elizabeth Bennet and stuff, but mm-hmm. she was able to be her own character in her own romance. Yes, and could also have sex. <laughs> it was also just such a great way of writing a neurodivergent character to mm-hmm. have like because she is on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. and so to have like she doesn't know how to act in social situations so she's constantly falling back on what would Jane Austen tell me to do in yep. this situation as her way of navigating things and then getting outside of situations where Jane Austen could help and like <laughs> yeah. floundering and then learning yeah. to figure it out and like gain confidence in that area it's mm-hmm. so lovely what <laughs> this quote I just found when your future husband realizes you're not a virgin what will you tell him <laughs> to angle slightly to the left and rub with his thumb <laughs> and that is so <laughs> Like, not the Victorian heroine, like, where she's like, and what about it? <laughs> and that's what I love. Like, it's just, it it's so unique and hilarious. Well, you really get that it's like, that's her mother's 
influence because she has like the proper aunt aunt mm-hmm. judith yeah like, her mother Quinn. is also hilarious oh her mother's one of my favorite characters <laughs> um she is so funny she is constantly mm-hmm. talking about the things that, like that her husband did to her yeah with her and charlotte is like stop he like bought her a, some flowers and her aunt was just like making a comment about how something or another and then the wife and her sister in the back of her mind she's like well she doesn't want to know like how i thanked my husband for bringing me those flowers but she's constantly making dirty jokes Mm -hmm. and things and like talking Mm -hmm. about her sexual experience and like trying to get charlotte to like fall in love and you know try some things and so to have like and i think there's a moment too where she recognizes like i am like judith's like i am a plim but i'm also a pedifer and like the ability to embrace both sides of herself so lovely I also just want to talk about, um, please do the, cause there's just, I could talk about this entire book and every moment in it, but I think one of my favorite, like kind of, it's not one moment, but like extended moment is when they are running around, running from Aunt Judith, holding hands and everyone <laughs> that they run into makes a comment about them being together. And both mm-hmm. of them are like, we're not in love. We're not together. And they, like, whoever they are talking to pointedly looks at their hands because they're still holding hands. Yeah. And they're just like, no, we're not in love. What are you talking about? Which, like, huh? And then, and then immediately, is it immediately after? I think it is immediately after. Um, After some incredible innuendo, like a whole paragraph of it, uh, Alex laughs and for the first time says, oh, dear, I do love you. Yes. And there's, like, like yes. pause. I um, love this scene. There's truly, I could read this entire page. Where do I start this? Um, the beginning of the book. <laughs> it's just yeah. the audio book. Um, she reading. says, only an uncouth person. He's made a joke about, like, her reaction last night. She <laughs> says, only an uncouth person employs lewd innuendo. It shows a kink in the imagination, and I urge you to take a more somber, penetrating perspective, Captain. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> It is now, he muttered, but thankfully she did not hear him. I meant all the way to Lady Armitage's house, uh, which will be the climax of our efforts. Once I have the amulet, you can withdraw. (laughs) Alex laughed. Oh, dear, I do love you, he said. And silence clamped down between them. Um, He added, pushing a hand through his hair, metaphorically speaking, of course. Of course, Charlotte agreed hastily. She realized she had stopped walking, possibly because her heart seemed to have stopped beating. She began to stride once more along the street. Do not look so concerned on my behalf, Captain. It is a common enough statement. For example, I myself love that house there with the wooden shutters. I love tea. I love you and your smile and the way you sigh in your sleep. See? Common. Unconcerning. We are still enemies. Mortal enemies, he agreed, smiling. So, like, get out of my face. It was at that that scene. I swear. I'm assuming I, like, went on a rampage on my Instagram stories. Like, sure. I vividly remember my reaction. Like, cause like, I thought his was good. Like, I was like, yeah, like he just said it. Like, I love that when they don't mean to say it. And, and then like her, re- her reaction, like she, she just did it in the same way. <laughs> I actually could throw this book across the room right uh-huh. now. I love you and your smile and the way you sigh in your sleep. <laughs> See, common, unconcerning. We're still mortal enemies. Me, actually, if I ever fall in love. I'm like, it's fine. It's normal. We're enemies. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, truly. I said Heartbreaker was one of the most romantic books. This is also one of the most romantic books. This is books also one I've of the most read. romantic books. Um, and it also, similarly, it's just a ton of really small, mm-hmm. very adorable moments. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we've talked a lot about moments, but there are 
for every moment we've talked about, there are like 10 other ones that we haven't mentioned. Like I laugh out loud listening to these audiobooks. Like I'm mm-hmm. just laughing like a weird villain because they're just it's hilarious. Is actually it has no business being as funny no. as it is. No, I like I, I don't know how you followed up the Wisteria Society so well, you know? Like mm-hmm. it, they're different. Like they feel different. Like but they're so good together. Yeah. I am simply yeah, obsessed. and it's interesting. Like the like, it's clearly the same narrative, mm-hmm. like authorial voice. Mm-hmm. It's the same style, but the I don't know if it's the tone that's different. Like the humor is the same, yeah. But there's something in like the overall tone of the book that is like Charlotte and Alex's relationship is unique to them and separate yes. from Ned and Cecilia's relationship. Even though a lot of the humor and a lot of the like and it narrative choices. Are I the mean, same. in this, it's a pirate versus a witch that is already different in a sense that mm-hmm. like you know, witches have to be a lot more reserved and, you know, they could get burned alive if they're found out where pirates can just pirate <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. get away with it. Because um, then there's also, like, a is it a witch hunter or a pirate hunter throughout? And then, yeah, and then I found it hilarious that the Miss Plym, like, her aunt <laughs> immediately sees this witch hunter. And it- it's actually a disgusting scene. <laughs> and I say that as the highest compliment. <laughs> It is filled with the most disgusting flirtation I've ever read. It is so funny. And so, like, you also... So, like, the villain, in a sense, because he's, like, part part of a, the villain set. Like, there are a few. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so hilarious. And then, like, the aunt understands at some point, like, <laughs> why people feel that, like, I don't know. It yeah, worked it's really gross. Level. It's so gross. It's so gross. And it's so good. But, like, you can, like, visualize it. And then they run away together. Like, you can visualize. Like, I don't know where I've seen it before. Maybe, like, the uh, series of unfortunate events when Mm. there's, like, the the one aunt who's, like, scared of everything. And then Olaf's, like, one character who, like, the sea captain who, like, goes with her. Like, I don't – there's just such a weird visceral image that I, I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, like the just yeah. the bad, the villains, the, like gross <laughs> villains flirting. <laughs> well, and also Aunt Judith or Miss Plym is an interesting character anyway, mm-hmm. particularly because you have the overbearing aunt in the first book, yeah. and so you think, oh, it's another overbearing aunt, and then they're very different mm-hmm. because what's her name in the first book? Um, that's a great question. I am blinking. She's great in the first the in Wisteria Society. The aunt mm-hmm. in there is a really love. Like she is overbearing. Mm-hmm. But it's out of love, mm-hmm. and you can tell. And, like, Cecilia loves her very much, even when she's kind of rolling her eyes at her. Versus, I mean, Miss Plym is also acting out of love. Yeah. But it is a really interesting portrayal of, like, a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you love each other, but that doesn't make it okay. Yeah, because Charlotte's almost, like, she's, like, been made to be, like, the chosen witch, in mm-hmm. a sense. Because, like, they- so that... Judith can exert her control. Yeah, because there was this moment where where another witch was going to have that title, and then they like sabotaged her. The soothsayer wound yeah. up with a knife in her back. Yeah. They're like, "Huh, that must be a sign for something." Uh-huh. Uh, and the covers and the covers are just so gorgeous. Yeah, don't even get me started. Ugh. Truly, these books are so beautiful. And I for know. what? I um, love them. This has been over an hour. So I feel like probably we should wrap it up. I don't even know how to pick a favorite scene from either of these because truly. I think you named mine with the way that they said they loved each other in the second book. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that was just a major serotonin hit. 
but also like I wanted to scream into a pillow and punch something out of love. Relatable. Mm-hmm. The first book, I think my favorite is the scene where Cecilia gets drunk. Oh my god. There are a lot of really, really good scenes in the first book, and I love all of them immensely, um, but there is a really funny scene. Like, that is the one that I think sticks in my mm-hmm. brain the most clearly, where they're, like, pretending to be <laughs> husband and wife named Victoria and Albert, and she gets drunk and is in complete denial of it. <laughs> and Alex is like, you are drunk. And she's like, no, that's crazy. And then they have, like, a moment where, like, they have to go to the hotel room and there's only one bed, mm. and it, but, like, it doesn't turn out the way that yeah. you think it does. It's very charming. Um, I think my favorite of the Wisteria, I mean, gentlemen, gentlewomen witches... There's so many. Um, but I think my favorite is actually the last scene. Not the epilogue, but them. Well, first they make love and float onto the ceiling. Oh, yes. While they are doing it. Because Charlotte is just like so overwhelmed with happiness that her magic makes them float onto the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it's so lovely. And it's after... Um, why am I going to cry looking over my notes for this scene? Um, where they're like about to have sex and she realizes that like he's silencing her with pleasure and using intimacy this oh listen i'm about to start a whole other dissertation they use physical intimacy as a barrier so that they don't have to open up emotionally which is why this book is steamier than the first one because they've been doing that since the beginning of their relationship um and so finally she's like stop we need to talk and then she gets uncomfortable and is like never mind i don't want to just kiss me um and he's like no you're right we're gonna talk so they have to have this whole like moment where they open up and have a conversation about how much they love each other Mm -hmm. and you know all of the things and then (laughs) get out of my face um as he slowly filled her body and soul she prophesized that this was how it would be from now on not just exercise but love in the light Oh, yeah, because they always called – they called uh, having sex exercising. So, like – Right. They were just exercising. They just vigorously exercised all the time. Yes. And then afterwards, they have this, like, very lovely – just so romantic conversation. Um, and then go – I think they, like, sit up on the roof or go stand on the yeah. roof or something, and they, like, fly into the sunset. And he's basically like, we're just going to go wherever you want to go. Uh, and then there really wasn't – Which, like, get out of my face. It – there really wasn't like a breakup. Like I think one of them thinks the other one died at one point, which again covered this before. Yeah, there's like the fight. I love that they're like in the sky. Mm-hmm. Charlotte almost gets taken by the mm-hmm. witch hunter, but Alex shows up mm-hmm. and is like, "I think not." Yep. Bixby is there, very excited for the hero Bixby. of the next one. Yeah, I uh, love, and I don't really think there was a like a third act breakup in the first one, was there? There was like a after they sleep together. Ned was thinking, like, this is the big, like, it was one of those, like, Cecilia thought it was just going to be a one-time thing, and then, like, tragically, they'll never see each other again, Mm -hmm. and Ned was like, no. (laughs) Um, And he had to, like, come to the ball. There was, like, the the ball that he had to come propose to her with the, uh, which, get out of my face, (laughs) he he made her, he brought her a house that is also a library. Yes. That was his, like, gift to her, and I was like, okay, well... (laughs) That should be illegal. He also has, like, there's the love and the light line in Gentlemen, Gentlewomen Witches. Why can I not say that? Ned has, I think he says something about, like, let me take you out of time. Is that the line I'm thinking oh, of? Oh, I sure in their don't sex know. Scene? <laughs> um, Caroline's just laughing. <laughs> well, I found the line that I mentioned earlier. 
where she says, I suspect that is a rude word and you should not say it to me. And he says, fine, I promise never to say it again, but I shall do it to you as often as I can manage. And she says, well, I suppose that's in the bounds of good manners. Oh, I found it. Look at her. And I typed in out of two. She says, hurry. And he says, sweetheart, let me take you out of time for a while. Uh, for a while. And he kissed her until even he forgot there was a world beyond this room. I could do a whole other episode. We should have done one episode per book. I mean, we'll bring them up whenever we can in any like tropes or whatnot. They will so. show up Try to repeatedly stop us. because we're annoying and obsessed with those books. Yeah. Um, and you should read them. Romance that TBR. <laughs>